a psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live in your holy hill, he who is walk in blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, and who has slander on his tongue, who who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur from on his fellow man, who despires a vile man, but who honors him, those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, when lends his money without unsure, unsure of, and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He does not, he does these things will never be, be shaken. Our next scripture reading is going to be from Deuteronomy. Um, I'm not sure the text here. Deuteronomy 4, um, and it jumps around a minute. That's why I needed this. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2, and then 6 and 9. So let's read that. It says, And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I am about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so that you may enter and occupy the land of the Lord and the God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add to or subtract from these commandments that I have given you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. On to six. If I can find it. <laughs> obey them completely, and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. When they hear all of these decrees, they will exclaim, How wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteousness and fair as this body of instructions that I am giving you today? But watch out, be careful, never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 7, and again, if you will forgive me, it hops around a bit, uh, verses 1 through 8, 14 and 15, and then finishing off with 21 and 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes had come from Jerusalem and gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat? with defiled hands. He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching human precepts as doctrines, you abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you and understand there is nothing outside a person that is going in that, that by going in can defile but the things that come out are what defile for it is written from the human heart that evil intentions come fornication theft murder adultery 
avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Word of God for the people of God. So have you all ever had a moment in your life where somebody does something that is infuriating, so annoying, loathsome even, that you, you, you're frustrated, but the heart behind what they did is so good, you can't stay mad for long? You know what I'm talking about? I had a very specific example of this that happened very shortly after Winnie was born. So Winnie was born right there at the end of January. So Valentine's Day came right around the corner. She was only about two weeks old. And Alicia and I wanted to, to do something. We couldn't go on a date. We had a newborn, and Alicia was still recovering from the birth. Uh, so we got lucky. My folks live around the corner, basically, and they decided to take Eden. Uh, and we were able to have an evening at home. I went and got a bunch of takeout sushi. And uh, we sat at home and watched The Americans. Uh, so we had a wonderful evening of raw salmon and 80s spy espionage and a sleeping baby in a bassinet for the most part. She uh, kept to herself and we were able to enjoy ourselves. It was a really nice, quiet evening. So my folks took Eden to uh, like a Disney on ice, which I don't know if y'all are familiar with these things. Basically, somebody dresses up like Woody from Toy Story and somebody else dresses up like, like Mickey Mouse and they do double axles and sell you slushies for $50 a pop. That's normally how these work out. I knew how this worked, and I knew my folks. And so I looked at them straight in the eye when they picked up Eden, and I said, y'all can do whatever you want, but she can't come home with anything that makes noise. Please, for the love of God, keep anything that makes noise out of this house. We knew how, it's when he was a light sleeper, and I knew how these things worked. I thought that was reasonable. <laughs> they disagreed. <laughs> they came home, y'all, they came home with a trumpet, it was a plastic, battery-powered trumpet. Each of the three buttons, whenever you pressed one, it just played a note as loud as it could, and it kept playing that note until you let that button go. So you just hear, bah! Now, I'm not going to lie. I was mad. I was really mad. I can't remember the, the, the sushi and the show as much as I remember walking in. And No, I heard that trumpet from the driveway. Like, and I knew that something was coming. It's like, you know, the trumpet sounded, this is either the rapture or this is something that's really going to upset me. But, you know, I knew this would happen. Eden was the kind of kid who, when she sees something like that, her eyes light up. And my parents are the kind of grandparents who love stoking that fire. Y'all know some of those grandparents. All that said, that trumpet ended its very short souvenir life at my parents' house where it deserved to stay. Uh, so every time they went over there, they got to bang as long as they wanted to. But what we do matters. But it matters just as much why we do it. Their, their, their example of completely disobeying if you can say that. I don't think you can say that about your parents. You disobeyed me. No, that's not how that works. Uh, but that my request was ignored, but it was ignored for a good reason. The heart behind it was good. 
it's hard to realize sometime though, especially when those that, that we see around us, all we see is their actions. It's hard to see the heart behind it. And it's the same for them, us. It's hard for folks to see our intent behind something. It's kind of what's going on in our gospel text today. The Pharisees walk up on Jesus and his disciples. They see Peter, they see John, they see James eating their lunch with gross hands. You know that feeling after a hard day of work on a job site, in a garden, when your hands don't even look like your hands anymore, but you're starving and you're like, the sandwich is right here, but the Purex is in two rooms down. I'm just gonna eat the sandwich. Uh, and so that's kind of where they're at. They, but they are having that moment just in traveling, just a long day on the road is going to be disgusting, right? I mean, just walking down a dusty road and you know, whatever they're eating, bread and fish, I think that's what they ate uh, all the time based off of my understanding of the gospel. Um, so the, you know, they're sitting there and they have that and they're just saying, you know what? It'd be really hard to go over to the well and, and clean my hands right now. So I'm just gonna eat this sandwich. The problem is though, the law says you can't have, you can't eat with dirty hands. And it's not like a do not pass go, do not collect $200 kind of law, but it is a law of cleanliness, a law of cleanliness that was given to the Israelite people by Moses, along with a bunch of other laws that they kept as a part of being in the community that they were in for centuries. It was the backbone of Jewish tradition. It's, who, it's what made them who they were. And so when these scribes and Pharisees see this, they're upset. But Jesus isn't having this upsetness. He calls them hypocrites. Says Isaiah has been ready for them. Isaiah was talking about them. But why would they be hypocrites if they're the ones that are following the law? They're just doing what they were told. The thing is, by this time, the scribes and the Pharisees were centuries away from Moses coming down the mountain. They kept what they should do, but they couldn't remember why they did it. They couldn't remember that that was during a time that personal cleanliness was a way to keep your close-knit community safe. It was the, the way that you made sure that the people around you if you caught something, they didn't catch it. If, if you, uh, uh, you know, came down with something, if you ate some bad food, you're not sharing it to your neighbor. They remembered what they should do, but not why they should do it. As such, it became easy to say, we're the ones who do this. And the next step from there is, and you don't. So they lost the heart of the law. The law that keeps people together instead was being used to tear people apart. You see, they were following the law without knowing why. That's why Jesus calling them hypocrites is such a fascinating turn of phrase. We're so used to this word, but really it wasn't a part of the vernacular before scripture really, before the gospels really came in and Jesus said this. Uh, Richard's not really here, so I have no one to judge me on this, but the the word hypocrite comes from the Greek for actor. So what is an actor but someone who knows the words but doesn't have any real connection to them? 
what is an actor but someone who knows the right things to say, but they're coming from someone else, not from within. Hypocrisy makes us actors, playing a part instead of living our own lives. We can pretend, we can recite the lines that were given to us, recite the lines that the world wants us to say, instead of being us, instead of being our authentic selves. Now, Jesus versus these scribes and Pharisees could seem easily like an indictment on Jewish tradition. A lot of folks have looked at it this way over the course of history. As Christians, we might look at our Messiah coming toe-to-toe with the religious leaders of his day as an excuse to look at our religion as the better one, as the one that's got it all figured out. But we need to remember that this tradition that these scribes and Pharisees were coming from was the tradition that Jesus grew up in, the tradition that Jesus knew and Jesus loved. He knew the law just as much as they did. So when he turns the prophets, when he turns Isaiah on them, what he's saying is, I know that book, and you're looking at it wrong. So it's not an us versus them, but rather a call to remember why the law is important in the first place. Now, law is what keeps society together. It is We need laws. We need these sorts of lay of the land to keep us functioning as a community, especially as the community gets larger. But the law was important then because it brought people together. It brought them closer to their God, and it brought them closer to the people that they spent their days with. But for much of it, because of the nature of the law, it was open to interpretation. Our laws are the same today. The problem with the law in this case wasn't the law, but the interpreters. It became tradition instead of a way to get closer to God. It became an exclusive system. This is what happens when we blindly follow the law without remembering why God gave it in the first place. This is why meaning matters. What we do has meaning. It isn't just what people can see. It has to do with who we are. Of course, just because the meaning behind actions comes from inside doesn't mean it's good. Jesus continues the text by saying what defiles us as people. What makes us impure isn't what comes in from outside, but rather what comes out from within. You see, when our actions don't have right and good beliefs behind them, the human order of things takes over. The natural way to be takes over. Jesus names these ways in the text. Avarice, which Alicia let me know, it's a weird word. Avarice means greed. Adultery, theft, wickedness. When we forget who we are, when our behaviors become separated from the heart of Christ, then the temptations of the world take its place. We make the church a place where we keep power and the status quo. When we give because we want to get, we keep doing what we're doing to separate us from them. We become the scribes and Pharisees that Jesus is speaking against. So often though, We ignore or forget our reasons because it's easier. I don't know about y'all, 
But most mm-hmm. of my religious religious experience growing up was oriented into do this, not this is why we do this. Does that make sense? There's an artist I'm a big fan of by the name of Derek Webb who sings a song called A New Law. Uh, I loved it as a kid because it made my mom mad, but I still listen to it these uh, these days. He says, don't teach me about moderation and liberty. I prefer a shot of grape juice. Don't teach me about loving my enemies. Don't teach me how to listen to the spirit. Just give me a new law. I don't want to know when the answers aren't easy. So just bring it down from the mountain to me. Now, it's a it's a satire a little bit of the way church ends up being. But it's really kind of hits a nerve because we do want it this simple. We want it this easy. We don't want to have to think about it, to wrestle with it, to figure out why we do what we do. But it's in the thinking about it. It's in the figuring out who we are and why we do it that we grow closer to God and to each other. And it's not easy. We might differ in why we think we should give or who we should give to or how or why we take communion. But when our community is built on working through our reasons, when working through the meaning behind the ritual and the, the, the reason that God told us to do the things God told us to do, that's when we grow as a genuine community. I've spent my commute the last week listening to an audiobook. And it was a fiction audiobook. It was a, like a sci-fi, like space opera joint. I don't get to listen or read uh, very much fiction these days uh, just because I've got so much going on. So actually letting that 45 minutes up into Memphis and the 45 minutes back and then an hour or so while I'm walking around campus, you know, be filled with spaceships and, and Mars and the asteroid belt has been really, really re- a relief. It's been nice. Um, but this is a, it was a really good book, and I bring it up because it did the thing that, that a lot of books do, but few books do well, where uh, each chapter is from a different narrator. And so it alternates between these two guys throughout the book. And each time, you're, you're getting in these, the, their heads. And they're very specifically, both of them are very specifically focused on doing what they think is right. And those two things are different. One of them is this idealistic, optimistic ship captain. And the other one is a, is a pessimistic, narcissistic, pragmatic detective in kind of like a, like a noir, like gumshoe kind of way. You spend the first half of the book hearing from both of them and kind of seeing each one of them side. And you don't think about how different they are until about halfway through the book when they run into each other. And they spend the second half of the book together and they literally cut chapters in the middle of their conversation. So you hear one of them say something and you're hearing it from their point of view. So you're knowing why he's saying it. And then you immediately go to the next guy and you're like, and and this guy was dumb for saying that is this kind of you hear both of their their thoughts behind what's going on. But how different each of them are, you both you see how both of them got to where they get from, where they get to, how they are the way they are, why they make the decisions they make, even if they both 
kind of can't stand each other in the way that they make those decisions. There are times when their utter differences can get in the way of their relationship. But as the reader, you can see where it's going and how you know they're going to respect each other at the end. It was a really enjoyable read for that reason. As we walk through this walk of faith together, a lot of times it feels like that. The folks that we're with butt up against us. The folks that we're with don't see things the way we see them, and that's hard. But it's in knowing how they got to that point, how they, they think the way they think, and how they get to the conclusion that they get to, that we can grow in respect for one another. Our reasons might be different, but as long as we stick to them and look at them through the heart and mind of Jesus, then we're headed in the right direction together. What we do isn't just ritual, as long as we remember why we do it and how we do it. So as we keep Sabbath, we join together in worship, we preach, we pray, we take communion, we give. While these things are important, what is equally important is how we interpret them. What is equally important is how we do them as well as why we do them. Not just why we do them, but also who we do them with. When my folks walked into my house with that daggum trumpet, while we were rocking a two-week-old baby who was not as volatile as she is now, but was still pretty volatile, I was mad. You could say they did a bad thing, but because the heart that was behind it the reason for doing it, the anger was short. The relationship was fine. If anything, it was stronger for it. When the disciples were eating with dirty hands, we don't need the law of Moses to tell us that that's gross. But they're having a connection with each other and with Jesus after a long day on the road. In doing so, they are being brought closer to the people God wanted them to be. Their reasons are good. When our actions, when how we treat each other and those around us is informed by the heart of Christ, sometimes what we do won't come out right. We'll falter, we'll fail. But hopefully, our love, our generosity, and our compassion for our neighbor will show through as we go on this journey together. Let us pray.